Warning, the following episode features student loan repayment strategies implemented by desperate college graduates under the supervision of no one but themselves. The YSY podcast and its creators must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any student loan repayment strategy mentioned in this episode. This week on the YSY podcast, we're going to talk about the crazy things that people do to pay for their college education. This is Tony Armiger, and you're listening to the YSY podcast, How Far Would You Go to Pay for College? This is the podcast that informs you about how college tuition in America has helped contribute to the horrific $1.6 trillion in student loan debt in our country. We look at different aspects of the entire problem and provide you with all the information you need to know. 45 million Americans are burdened with an average student loan debt of over $37,000. Let's talk about it. Does college equal success for everyone who goes? No. But many of us believe that it does. And when you graduate from college with a heavy burden of insurmountable debt on your shoulders and no success, then what do you do? Do you work at an entry-level 9-to-5 job and live with your parents to try and pay it off fast for the next 10-20 to years? Would you work a 9-to-5 job, a part-time evening job, and an under-the-table weekend job to try and make it work out on your own? What about joining active duty military and risking your life just to take advantage of that sign-on bonus and the GI Bill? What would you do to get rid of that debt to clear the road ahead of you toward success? In other words, how far would you go to pay for college? In 2015, a personal finance website called My Bank Tracker conducted a survey and asked 200 of its users with a median age of 32 and an average student loan debt balance of $34,500, how far they would go to get rid of all of their racked up student loan debt. The results are very striking. 55% of respondents said they'd gladly exchange their debt for ever-present paparazzi. Okay, not so horrible. But then again, those bastards basically killed Princess Di. 43% of respondents said they'd sell half of all of their possessions to get rid of their student loan debt. I was thinking about this one, and honestly, I would have sold all of my possessions to get rid of my student loan debt. 38% said they'd serve as a guinea pig for a drug that has not received FDA approval. 32% of respondents said they'd sign up for active duty. Now listen to this one. This is the truly sad and scary part of the survey. 30% said they'd sell an organ if it meant getting rid of their debt. I mean, geez louise, man. How desperate can you be? You know what's even scarier, though? It gets worse. It seems that our entire higher education system in America is just popping out desperate, debt-ridden graduates left and right. Why? Psst, let me give you a little hand. It's because they can, and they can do it without assuming any responsibility whatsoever. And that's what happens when you have help from Congress and student loan providers. Hashtag lobbyism. And if you want to understand what kind of help I'm talking about, check out episodes one and two of Bankruptcy Law and Student Loans. Now, hypothetical survey aside, let's look at the drastic measures real people are taking to pay off their college student loans. 
Number one, sex work. As is common practice when deciphering the magnitude of socioeconomic dilemmas, we turn to academia to confirm whether or not our higher education system is screwed up. And guess what? It is. And the empirical findings are extremely alarming. In fact, in 2017, Lynn Camella, an associate professor of gender and sexuality studies at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas, said that it, quote, is not unusual for students to turn to sex work such as stripping, prostitution, or webcam work to pay for school. Now, what does that mean? Well, firstly, yeah, it means that colleges are researching the horrible outcomes of their own high tuition practices, yes. But more importantly, it means that college graduates who have a heavy student loan debt burden are literally selling their bodies to pay off that tremendous amount of debt. Holy crap! We've actually gotten to the point where college students and graduates are selling themselves for sex and erotica services. Yet tuition still continues to increase at an average rate of 6% per year at colleges across the country. Number two, sugar daddies. Did you know that there is a legal website out there, and I'm talking legal in the U.S. legal, where women can literally search for and get together with men who are financially successful? You know what they call the women searching for these quote-unquote gentlemen on this website? Sugar babies. You know what they call the gentlemen? Sugar daddies. And before I go into this, I want to make it clear again that I do not advocate using this type of method to pay off your student loans. I'm just pointing it out because I think it's crazy that we've gotten to this point. The website's called SeekingArrangement.com. Its slogan is, where beautiful, successful people fuel mutually beneficial relationships. It's run by a guy named Brandon Wade, who's the creator of the site. Apparently, it's been a rather successful business venture for him. And do you know why it's been so successful? You guessed it. Students who are paying high tuition and graduates who are indebted with massive amounts of student loan debt are signing up for it to pay for their college-related bills. Wade even admits this and says that the website is an alternative to financial aid, but also says that his company did not originally plan to target students and graduates when it launched back in 2006. Supposedly, it stumbled on this niche and began in 2011 offering students a free premium membership, which usually costs $30 a month. It charges sugar daddies $70 to $180 a month, depending on the membership level. Well, how many student users are we talking about here? The number of students using the site, and keep in mind, this is purely college students, skyrocketed from 79,400 worldwide in 2010 to 1.9 million in 2017, which equates to one-third of the website's users. The company says, quote, enrollment jumps during August and January when tuition is typically due sometimes to more than double its normal levels. Wow. Unbelievable. You know what's really crazy? This got me really angry, yes. But what really almost put me over the edge was the title of a news article in North Carolina's The Charlotte Observer. The title is, More Students Turn to Daddy to Pay for College. But it's not who you think. Oh my gosh. What the heck? Come on now. Last week, we were talking about the coronavirus, but this is sick on a different level. So in a country where prostitution is illegal, 
Websites like this are in full compliance with the law. And their business model is booming more than ever now thanks to high tuition and a flawed higher education system. Great. This gives me a lot of confidence in our country. Number three, porn. So apparently there's an industry called pornography that's extremely lucrative. And when I say lucrative, this industry has been estimated to generate revenue from between $9 billion to $97 billion per year while more conservative estimates put it around $15 billion per year. According to an article from The Guardian, written by John Naughton, porn generates more revenue than Netflix, Viacom, the, that's the mass media conglomerate, and the whole of Hollywood combined. Now that's huge. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> well, probably a lot of people, because a lot of people look at porn, and you know who you are. So with this in mind, what kind of an effect does this have on the higher education industry or, more importantly, on the inadvertent victims of the higher education industry? Well, let me introduce you to a smart and lovely woman named Miriam Weeks, or more popularly known by her porn star name as Bell Knox. Miriam was born in San Antonio, Texas in 1995 and went to Duke University to study women's studies and sociology. Now keep in mind, this was a bachelor's degree. While she was studying, she tried keeping her side job as a porn star on the down low, but unfortunately was outed by a fellow student in 2014. Like we said earlier, the porn industry is huge, so there's bound to be someone, if not many people, at Duke University who watch porn on a nightly and possibly even a daily basis. After she was outed, she courageously embraced the reality of her situation and took part in interviews where she could explain and justify why she joined the porn industry. She said she, quote, started doing pornography in 2013 to help pay for her $60,000 per year tuition costs, which amounted to a monthly bill of $4,300. In an interview with Fox 5 New York, she said, quote, I didn't want to be a slave to a bank. I don't want to take out hundreds of thousands of dollars when I'm 18 years old. Well, that's completely understandable, Miriam, and you're not alone in that line of thinking. And I don't think any 18-year-old should take on that much debt for an education. Listen to what she had to say in an interview from 2014. Nice to see you. Hi, nice to, nice to be here with you. So we all agree college education is exorbitant. Absolutely. It's crazy. However... Did you have to go to the extreme of appearing in porno movies to pay for it? Well, um, I feel that, um, look, in the economy we're in right now, um, I'm an 18-year-old. Uh, I have no, you know, job skills. I have no, I have no degree. Um, the only jobs I could have gotten were minimum wage jobs. There's simply no, my, my tuition bill was about $4,300 each month. There's simply no minimum wage job, no matter how many minimum wage jobs I worked, that would have paid me $4,300 a month. So my alternative was taking out loans. Um, I was not eligible for government loans, but um, so the only loans I was eligible for were these private loans with these exorbitant um, interest rates. I did the math and I knew I would be paying off my loans for decades. So um, I didn't want to be a slave to any bank. But you're kind of a slave to the male porn industry. Absolutely not. I'm absolutely not a slave. I, I do everything by my own choice. And honestly, I would rather pay for my tuition right now than be 
I'm 18 years old. I don't want to say you look so young. No, I don't want to take out hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans when I'm 18 years old. That doesn't. That to me is not. That's not anything that I would want to put on myself. Let's back up for a second. How are you putting up with all the, uh, how are you dealing with all the attention? You've been doing kind of international media rounds and uh, a lot of attention on Twitter. How are you holding up? Um, well, you know, I have like a great deal of support. So for all of my haters and all of the threats I get, there's like, you know, 10 other messages or tweets telling me how, you know, I need to keep going. Social media seems to be overwhelmingly on your side, as you as you just mentioned. Yes. Well, I've been watching this story unfold over the past, what, six weeks or so? Um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a while. while, yeah. I've seen you do interviews, and I think you're a thoughtful person. I think this, actually, this decision works for you. Thank I, you. That, that seems quite clear. Yes, thank you. I do have an area of concern, though. Right. That, how long have you been in the porn industry? Um, I've been in since November. Since November. That is, what, four months, five months, something yes. like that. Now, you have kind of endorsed the industry. You say that it's extremely, it's been very welcoming and it's been safe, and I believe that it's been all those things for you. My right. concern is that there are others who might be led to the industry by your example and think that they're going to be treated the same way. Other women, perhaps. And this is a fair, I think it's a, a fair uh, issue to bring up. And they won't have the experience that you've had because at this point, you're like porn royalty. I mean, you are a superstar in the industry. Other women right. following your lead may not have the same experience. Well, I just want to point out, I've never purported myself to be a role model. I've never encouraged girls to become porn stars. But you and become one, as you noticed if you on listen Twitter. To it, if you listen to my interviews, the advice I always give to people who are considering entering the porn industry is to do your research and to go with your intuition and if you feel something's wrong. And you have to understand, um, all of the experiences that I've had and the people that I've talked to and interacted with in the porn industry have, you know, they've had incredibly positive experiences. But I do acknowledge there are women who have bad experiences in the industry. They've been taken advantage of. I, I completely acknowledge exploited. that. But, you know, to... And abused. Right. Depending on who you, you Right, know. but I don't, I think that it's a blanket statement to say that all of porn is degrading. I think that it, it's like any other industry and there's, saying, there's room for improvement. We're not saying any other industry. Let me give you an example. We've had fashion models here often over the past couple of years and they have complained uh, at length about abusive photographers, um, uh, vendors who do not pay them, a lack of health insurance, all these things. And that is like top-tier fashion industry models. Right, it happens in any that. industry. Well, but that is like, that is prestigious, that is kind of, in a way, forgive me, but um, uh, what's the word, legitimate, you know? Right. But what about the legitimate higher education industry, which is financially abusing millions of education-seeking Americans? They talk about tuition in the beginning of the interview, but don't really focus on the root of the problem. High tuition and the resulting burden of $1.6 trillion in student loan debt that 45 million Americans are carrying on their shoulders. Why can't anyone focus on the root of the problem? Miriam Weeks even says that, quote, she believes her experiences are indicative of the rising costs of higher education in the United States. If our higher education system is even slightly enabling college students and graduates to mull over the idea of joining the porn industry to pay for their education, then it's probably time we overhaul our higher education system. By the way, I highly recommend that you watch a mini-series on YouTube called Becoming Bell Knox. It provides you with a lot of insight into her life while being a porn star and simultaneously studying at college.
And just for your info, Miriam left the porn industry in 2015, and her goal since then has been to focus on female empowerment and women's rights. And honestly, from hearing her speak in many interviews, I think she'll be a damn good advocate for those issues. Number four, income sharing agreements, more commonly known as ISAs. Now let's move from selling your body in order to pay for college tuition to selling your life's work to pay for college tuition, literally. College students and debt-ridden graduates are now able to get investors to invest in them and their future careers by getting said investors to foot their massive college tuition bill up front, which means before or when they go to college to study. So in a sense, investors are transforming college graduates who have exorbitant amounts of student loan debt into stock investments with much of the same risk and ideally also return. You heard me right. Companies and investors can literally invest in you by way of college tuition, as if you were a company or a commodity. And it doesn't stop there. There's a company called Vimo Education that actually vets students at Purdue University in Indiana and a handful of other schools on behalf of potential investors to see if those students would be a good investment. Okay, so how does this work? Let's look at a Bloomberg Business Week article from April 2015 that gives us some pretty good insight into an income-sharing agreement. Quote, to pay for college, Amy Wroblewski sold a piece of her future. Every month for eight and a half years, she must turn over a set percentage of her salary to investors. Today, about a year after graduation, Wroblewski makes $50,000 a year as a higher education recruiter in Winchester, Virginia. So the cut comes to $279 a month, less than her car payment. If the 23-year-old becomes a star in her field, she could pay twice as much. If she loses her job, she won't have to pay anything. And investors will be out of luck until she finds work. So that's how it works. I'm kind of at a loss here. Because honestly, I don't know if this is sad that we're looking at our future generations as investments for financial investors, or if this is an innovative idea. Personally, I seem to tend to the former, but I'm open to hearing what you guys think. Number five, inheritance. Yes, some people actually sell off their inheritance just to pay for college for either themselves or for their loved ones. Why? Well, because college equals success for your and your loved one's futures, right? Wrong. There is no guarantee. But people still think that giving up their inheritance is worth it. How utterly depressing. To understand what forms of inheritance we're talking about here, I decided to check out some testimonials from people who've done it themselves. So I went to BuzzFeed and found quite a few sad and depressing stories. Here goes. BuzzFeed reader number one. My grandfather left my mom and her two siblings each a piece of property. My mom sold off this gift from her late father to help me out with my senior year tuition. BuzzFeed reader number two. My mom used the inheritance from my grandma to help pay for my schooling. I worked throughout college and received an enormous scholarship for my school. When I graduated in 2017, I had about $32,000 in loans. My mom calculated that between her four children, she paid over $100,000 for us to go to college, most of which came from her 401k and inheritance. BuzzFeed reader number three. The only reason my dad was able to pay for my tuition was that my mother passed away my senior year of high school 
and she had life insurance. When people bring up how lucky I am, I remind them that I'd rather have a mom than money. I think that last one speaks for itself. When I hear stuff like this, it genuinely reinforces my commitment to advocate for lower college tuition costs in our country. The list goes on. As you've heard in this episode, people go really far to pay off their college tuition and student loan debt. And the general consensus is that it's becoming a normal thing to do. In my research, I've also come across people selling their homes, joining the military when they didn't even want to, putting their reputation on the line by suing their colleges and or student loan providers for misinformation and deceptive practices, etc., etc. All in the name of a college education. It's not right. Here's your homework until the next episode. Share your stories. Tell us what you did to pay for college or what you're doing to pay back your student loans. And if you're worried about what everyone will think of you, don't worry. We'll keep it anonymous. Get in touch with us on Facebook or through our website at whysohigh.org. This episode was recorded, produced, and edited by me, Tony Armager Jr., in Hamburg, Germany. Design support was done by Sarah Roloff. Musical support was done by Scott Joplin. Find out how to get involved and take action on our website at whysohigh.org.